I'm Dave. Welcome to Don't Screw It Up, a guide to pregnancy and parenthood by people figuring it out as they go. Each episode, we'll be grappling with the fact that someone is depending on us to keep them alive and explore exactly what that means. So this episode is called Seeking Professional Help. We'll be talking about the actual baby professionals we've been turning to for guidance. All right. So uh, we're getting really close to the baby showing up at this yep. point. Yep. We are at week 39, so it could happen any day, and it could happen in the next three weeks. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, and so to prepare for that, we've been trying to talk to people who not just have kids, but have kind of made their livelihoods helping other people have kids in some way. Yeah, um, exactly. And I mean, you know, obviously we came into this knowing absolutely nothing about um, pregnancy and what it would be like and the delivery. And I have been holding off on even reading or looking up anything on the delivery side of it, because I'm terrified. <laughs> I've heard of a lot of people just going in and watching horrific YouTube videos of this. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, no, no? it doesn't help. Uh-uh. Have you I, done that? I've, I've done a little bit of that. Um, I have seen quite a few birthing videos at this point, still really horrified, but having the information at my fingertips um, has, has helped a little bit to, to, to quell my fears. Okay, that's something. <laughs> it's more like just an acceptance of shit going wrong or like <laughs> the amount of pain that I'm going to go through. But it'll be worth it in the end. So in order to get some more formal, maybe a little bit more uh, professional than YouTube guidance, uh, we sought out a doula. So for those who don't know what a doula is, <laughs> it is very much a Bay Area thing or anyone who is um, into more natural, traditional childbirthing techniques. A doula can be kind of like a white hippie witch doctor type thing, according to um, the comedian Ali Wong, for anyone who's <laughs> seen the, the Netflix uh, comedy special. Um, so I was pretty convinced <laughs> that this was the grand midwife from Futurama. If anybody's seen the like Kif gets knocked up episode where Kif has a baby on his home planet and there's this weird kind of witch doctory, uh, frog lady. I'm pretty sure that's what a doula is. I've met our doula. She doesn't look exactly <laughs> like that. She doesn't look anything like a frog lady. <laughs> but day of, you don't know how things are going to go down. <laughs> this is what Dave was trying to convince me of the first time that I told him that I wanted to hire a doula. And, okay, so just to give the distinction, a doula is not a midwife. A midwife is typically a um, nursing professional who will actually deliver the baby and pull the baby out of you. Uh, a doula is more of like... You know, if, if you've had a wedding before, a day of coordinator, essentially, like a labor coach, like someone to just sit by your side, kind of give you guidance on everything, help relax you, like, you know, kind of make you feel prepared um, for for the actual delivery. And so the reason why we're spending money on this, because it sounds very over the top and luxurious, and I get that. Yes, it um, does. <laughs> Is because there actually have been a lot of studies that have shown that having a doula in place, like someone who really understands delivery and has had that experience and has worked with, um, you know, pregnant women in, in all sorts of different situations, uh, lowers the C-section um, significantly. I think it was like 20% is what I had read. 
um, and also a lot prevents a lot of interventions from happening. So if you're looking for a little bit more of a like natural, more informed route for your delivery, like this is a good option. Yeah, and I suppose that was the the appeal for me is to have a third party who's kind of on our team and has enough insight into what happens in a birth that we can talk to them in situations that are kind of emotional for us or we might not be uh, awake enough or informed enough to kind of take a step back and consider all the information uh, that, you know, a doctor might give us. And I think uh, the hope is that she'll give us the right questions to ask to other medical professionals more than actually like seeking direct medical advice from her. Right. And if you do pick a doula, um, make sure that this is someone that you feel comfortable with and trust because, I mean, this person is going to be seeing you poop on a table. So (laughs) that's essentially how I picked my doula. (laughs) She had said that in our phone interview and I was like, you're hilarious. I'm going to go with you. (laughs) So the smart move is pick a doula by how hilarious they are. (laughs) Well, that and she's a massage therapist. That was a big selling point. I don't think this doula's ever even, like, seen a birth, though. Um, she seemed confused about, like, where the baby came out. <laughs> That's not true at all. It, it's this hole, right? How many holes are down there? I'm not sure. Well, up until, like, about eight or nine months, the baby hasn't decided which hole uh, it's going <laughs> to come out. Uh, and so, you know, you hope if you stay standing, it'll rely on gravity and come out one of the bottom holes. Yep, that's um, that's where you try to prevent all of the interventions from happening, mm. so that it actually goes out of the right hole, the, the the stretchiest of all the holes. That, I mean, it is. It's true, right? <laughs> it's a good thing we have a doula. <laughs> <laughs> so she has um, helped me out in a lot of ways. Like we've had some prenatal meetings where we've talked about like the day of what that's going to look like. Um, you know, what to expect. I've been able to get in contact with her like really easily about any sort of uh, issues that I have questions with um, and and helped me put together a birthing plan. So I think that's all been like really, really worthwhile for me. And, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> the actual day of is going to go smoothly. Um, and then we'll give her a call and she'll kind of, uh, come over to our house and, and help us labor at home for a little while before we head over to the hospital. So yeah. at I, least that's the the plan, you know, we, we, we never know what's going to happen. We'll do an episode post <laughs> labor and, uh, recap what on that. Went down. <laughs> what actually went down. Yeah. I do like the idea of somebody who like come over and kind of hang out. I guess I didn't have a good understanding of exactly how long people would labor at home for in a, um, maybe not typical, but what they encourage people to do yep. because they don't want you coming into the hospital right away. So being able to have that long stretch of time at home, uh, with somebody who's had some experience, but is also kind of, uh, emotionally removed from us. Not mm-hmm. that she doesn't give a shit about us, but she's not family. It's This is kind right. of a professional thing for her, and she's thinking about it in more of a, you know, let's keep this on the right schedule. Here's, you know, the right time to right. call the hospital. Uh, we need to run out the door right now yeah. because the baby is escaping. <laughs> I mean, just imagine for one second that, you know, you are in the midst of the worst 
period cramps you've ever had. Those contractions just keep getting worse and worse and worse. I'm imagining it. <laughs> I know. You, you, you understand where we're coming from here. Um, am and, I right, ladies? <laughs> am I right? <laughs> and, and you have your mother giving you advice and telling you, no, you're not doing this right. Why aren't you doing it this way? No, no, you should be doing it this way instead. That would drive me nuts. This is why I'm hiring a professional who is not related to me so that she can be my doula. <laughs> so you're just re- hiring a replacement mom. Um, temporarily, yes. It's okay. Your mom probably doesn't listen to this podcast. And she'll show up later anyways. <laughs> she'll cook me food and it'll be all good. Yes, exactly. Well, so yeah, I think the doula will be a really positive thing. I was a little skeptical at first because I thought it was a bunch of money for... A, a hippie white hippie witch. witch. Yeah. Not all of them are white. <laughs> Not all of them are white. Yeah. That is very true. Our backup doula isn't. That's true. Jesus, that is... we have a backup doula. We're terrible people. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in case the, the first one can't make it for some reason, then, um, you know, there's there's a contingency plan in, the pl- in place. Yeah. But I'm coming around to it. I mm. like the idea. Like, our doula's cool. I, I think she'll be a big help. Yeah. I think that'll be cool. Um, and... Well, at least this is the policy at our hospital now. Um, you have to be six centimeters dilated before they'll even admit you into the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that, from what I can, from what I've heard, can take like several hours because that means that you're all the way into um, active labor and then bordering on transition labor, which is like the final uh, phase of labor, the most painful part of labor before you have to actually push. So, I mean, like you're really, really far along before they even want you to be in the hospital. So I, I love that idea. Like I like the idea of having to deal with pain and, and this shit like at home where it's comfortable and where I'm relaxed and chilling as opposed to like a hospital bed that's all sterile and just like nurses running around and blah, <laughs> fluorescent lights. Like that sounds terrible to me. Like I hate, I hate hospitals. So I would like to minimize that. Yeah. Important sidebar. Yes. Why 10 centimeters? Is that how we came up with like the decameter? Like when you're fully dilated, you're 10 centimeters. That seems a little too convenient. That would be this like even decimal Magical number. number. Yeah. For of, every woman, regardless of what yeah, size you are. Of this like unit system that we came up with and it just happens to fall to 10. That I don't, I haven't really thought too much about that. But That's it is, all I've been thinking about the entire time <laughs> we've been learning about labor is how it works out like that. It is so weird because everything else is so fluid. Right. Like, I don't know, it, it could be this long or it could be like two full days, you know? But 10 centimeters is the magic number. Yeah. I mean, once you're at 10 centimeters, you're ready to push. Like, that baby's coming out. That's probably how, like, the meter got developed. <laughs> you know, it's just a, you know, you order the magnitude different than the size of a woman about to give birth. I would like to think that. Yep. Yes. Yep. That's, that's true. That's what set the standard yep. for, for, me- for meters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Decimal system. Um, so in addition to that, like we've also been going to, um, a birthing class or I guess it was one birthing class yeah. and then a baby ownership class, and a baby ownership class that was uh, put on by the hospital at the recommendation of our, um, OB and, uh, doula. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about those classes? 
So I thought the baby ownership class was good. I forget what they actually called it. I don't think they called it baby ownership. It was like a child bear, like parenting class or something. Don't let your baby die. Yeah, it was it was a lot of like how to prevent um, your baby from dying from SIDS, which yeah. is a sudden infant death syndrome, Yeah, which apparently is a big problem and the reason why you're not allowed to have anything in the crib or anything that could possibly suffocate your child, um, which everything suffocates your child. So just be forewarned. <laughs> yeah. Like basically every possible situation we were put into it as babies murders babies. I know. Yeah. Why aren't, why aren't there higher numbers of deaths like from our generation? Well, I don't know. You wouldn't meet anybody who died as a baby. I suppose it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the baby ownership class was pretty good. Um, I changed a diaper for the first time. Uh, it was on a doll. Oh, it was really cute. Yeah. I have pictures of it. Have you ever changed a diaper? I have. When? Whose? Um, my cousin's kid okay. when I was um, young-ish. I was probably like pre-teen or something like that. Yeah. That's oh. probably the first time I ever changed a diaper. You know what? I babysat in college, too. I babysat an actual baby, and oh I definitely God. changed a diaper then. I can't imagine <laughs> you taking care of a baby in college. I was responsible enough. Where's that baby now? Um, probably alive and going to college. Probably alive? <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I bet it'll be harder to change a diaper when it's full of poop and stuff. But it was good to get that experience. Um, they gave some good handouts of like, here are normal things that might seem weird as a uh, that your baby might go through, and here are some things that you need to call the hospital right away. About. And here are all the fluids that will come out of your child. Yeah. Be forewarned. But I mean, a lot of them are natural. Like, yeah, I think that was a big thing for me is figuring out what to freak out about and what not to freak about out about because yeah. this is such a new experience. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a worry that anything could be, you know, something problematic. Everything is probably baby cancer or, you know, baby brain tumor or something like that. Uh, when it's probably just the kid crying or diaper rash or something. Um, and maybe this is a little bit of reassurance. Like you end up seeing the pediatrician a ton of times in that first year too. Yeah. So you can check with them about all of the things. Um, like w one of the things that I had read about and we kind of talked a, a little bit about during the parenting class was like the meconium that comes out mm -hmm. from the child. Uh, it's this like black tar substance. Oh yeah, tar their, poop. Their first uh, bowel movement. Yeah, and it freaks a lot of parents out because they're like, "Oh my god, my baby's a monster." Yeah, demon baby. <laughs> but it's like it's like this nasty, sticky tar thing that'll come out in his diaper for the first time. Sometimes it comes out in the amniotic sac, and that's really, really gross. Humans are disgusting. Humans are disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. We talked also a lot about, uh, like, you know, chapped nipples and uh, other fun breastfeeding topics. There was a lot of breastfeeding talk. <laughs> it, it was kind of presented in a weird way. It was like, this is the most natural thing you can possibly do. Women have been doing it since the dawn of time. 
but most people need professional help in order to actually get it done. Oh, yeah. So another person that falls within that white hippie witch category is the lactation consultant. I bet a bunch of people with a lot of medical training are going to be mad at you for saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not all of them are white, but they're all hippie witches. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I really appreciate that this profession exists and you actually do have to get a certification for it. Like it, it really is a, you know, medical professional. Yeah, serious boobologist. Uh, yes. <laughs> Where they, they provide guidance on how to get like the proper latching um, if you're nursing so that your baby sucks on it on yeah, your boobies. It doesn't fall off when you're walking around. <laughs> Correctly. So you don't get cracked and chapped nipples. Like a leech. Yeah, exactly. You want it to leech on perfectly. Yeah. But you don't, but leeches, you know, they, they want blood. Yeah, so do babies. They just don't know how to get it. <laughs> what if you just had a vampire baby? It doesn't even care about the milk. It just bites straight onto the nipple. I've actually heard one in a thousand babies does have a, like a bloodlust. Oh, okay. Yeah, and if they, like, fortunately they don't have teeth. Uh, so they can't pierce the skin, but they're really seeking out blood. There are some newborns that will actually be born with like one tooth. Yeah. If you get one of the ones that actually has teeth and is a vampire you, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got you to gotta nurse forever yeah. and they're just going to drink all your blood. They'll sleep during the day. They'll wake up at night. Oh, bro. So how do you patch yourself up from that? You don't. You just kind of give up and, you know, become a creature of the night and <laughs> avoid garlic. <laughs> Those bra pads will get, like, really, really important because you don't want to just bleed through your shirt. Just think about it. Logistics of it. It would be hard. Yeah. Eventually they if go for the neck. you had a vampire neck. baby? Yeah. 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 The neck is easier to cover up? Well, necks. Yeah. And probably thinner skin so they could actually get to a major mm. vein. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Yeah, there's a lot of nutrition in, in, in that anyways. Yeah. It's kind of like what they were doing with your placenta before. Yes. But on the outside. Exactly. Okay, let's get back on topic. <laughs> Seriously, vampire babies are a concern. Very, very much a concern. Yeah. So that's why you want to eat a lot of garlic mm -hmm. when you're pregnant so that you can ward off any sort of vampire tendencies in your baby. America's greatest current threat. Vampire babies. Not SIDS. Just vampire babies. <laughs> vampire babies don't have to worry about SIDS because they're undead. They can't die. Oh. See? Oh, I see. Uh, that's the balance. On the other hand, like, you can put them in a crib with a blanket because they're already undead. Kind of like one of the few or, like, the only benefit of having sickle cell anemia is that you um, are... Uh, you can't get malaria. Neat. Did you know that? Oh. Back around <laughs> to things that suck blood. Okay. So, uh, how about things that suck breast milk? Sure. Babies. Yeah. yeah. Babies. So we talked a lot about breastfeeding lot. in this parenting class. Um, it was about 50% breastfeeding and prior to pregnancy, I had no fucking clue how difficult breastfeeding was. I just figured it's a child it's hungry, it needs to eat, it will figure out how to eat. Like, that should be a very primal instinct, right? Yeah, it seems like it, if the baby wants to stay alive. 
So apparently babies can sort of instinctually figure it out, but many of them don't and you have to help them. And then that's when you hire a lactation consultant or a hippie doctor or hippie witch. Sorry. (laughs) So I think it seems like for people who want to breastfeed, it's kind of cool that there are resources out there to help with that. Yeah. Um, like they, they teach you a lot about like colostrum is, is the first like liquid that comes out of your breast, mm-hmm. um, once your baby sucks for the first time and it's like liquid gold, like it's got all of this nutrition. It, it kind of like sets them up for breastfeeding, but you get so, so little of it, like a teaspoonful or something like that. And then they have to like extract it out of you if, if the baby doesn't <laughs> extract it out of you which I think requires, like, milking yourself. Yeah, like a cow. (laughs) Which I haven't quite figured out yet, but it's a really weird thought to think about how to milk myself. (laughs) That's why there are certified boobologists in the hospital to help you. I I know that I need to take this seriously, and I really will, (laughs) because this is going to take up a year plus of my life. Um, But breastfeeding is still kind of funny to me. Yeah. And I fully intend to just whip out my boobs when I need to to feed this child. In the very near future, like, your only role in life will be to be a snack machine. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's all sorts of, like, cool devices now to help, like, extract some of that snack out of you, too. <laughs> <laughs> so you become a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. That's convenient. <laughs> so you can feed. Yeah. Which will be nice. Like, eventually, you will get to sleep again. I'm sure you'll like that. Eventually. Eventually. Apparently, at the very beginning, it's like uh, feeding twelve times a day. Yeah. So you really, you really get like an hour of sleep, two hours of sleep in between each feeding. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, that'll be nice. So we'll be walking zombies for the first couple weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. Vampires, zombies, it's all good. <laughs> just like some horror movie exactly it's gonna be like the exorcist it's just gonna be vomit everywhere (laughs) we poop everywhere (laughs) everything is undead (laughs) oh parenthood oh that's what it's like yeah and then i think the last thing that we got out of those uh those classes were kind of recommendations from the american academy of pediatrics i guess a lot of stuff has been updated lately. Uh, the one that stood out to me a lot was the recommendation to keep the kid in your room for the first year. Uh, and so that was interesting. Like, that seemed like a long time compared to, I don't know, what I think I did as a baby. And I think that talking to the instructor of the class and then talking to the pediatrician, it was interesting to kind of get a sense of what was a recommendation based off of like, here's just the, uh, the numbers from statistics of what has a lower rate of SIDS or what behavior uh, results in a lower rate of SIDS compared to what's an actual risk for the baby. And so I like that we came out of it with here are recommendations from some professional organizations. Uh, here's the rationale behind that. But in the end, it's up to you as parents to make the decision of what's yeah. best for you and your family. Yeah. I appreciate that it was uh, focused on being evidence-based. Yeah. Because I, I hate hearing recommendations and not understanding, like, the data behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, she tried, the instructor tried really hard to explain the rationale behind all of these recommendations. Some of them are a little bit overboard. Like, I think that one-year one is 
I mean, personally, it seems yeah. a little bit like overkill. Like, I don't know how, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know how we would fit a crib in our room, yeah. for instance. Like, that may just logistically not be possible. Um, but, you know, some of the other things that they were talking about was, like, breastfeeding actually helps to prevent SIDS, which doesn't, which at first didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, because I was like, well, how would suffocating a baby happen from breastfeeding? Um, and a, uh, the logic behind that is, that babies will tend to fall into a deeper sleep, like drinking formula, than they would if they were drinking breast milk. And so if they can fall into a deeper sleep, they may get into a situation where, like, they end up, um, like, being suffocated, and they wouldn't wake up from that and kind of move their head over. The, At least that's the logic yeah, behind it. The confusing it. thing for me there was there were a lot of other recommendations, like swaddling, that helped the baby not wake himself up. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of interesting. So, yeah, I I think breastfeeding seems like a good thing, but it it just seemed like it had a pretty powerful uh, PR campaign behind it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, so I guess one thing we got out of uh, both talking to the doula and taking these classes was the idea of setting up a birth plan. Yeah, yeah. So the the birthing class itself also like talked about the birth plan and kind of helped to. Uh, put more context around it. And we actually got to watch videos, which was both horrifying and good at the same time. Um, because it, 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 like I had been reading about all of these different types of um, procedures that could happen in the hospital and these interventions that could happen, but I didn't actually know what they looked like. So we got to see some, you know, videos around that. So that was helpful. <clears throat> but the birth plan itself... Um, I mean, it's not, it's not necessary. You don't need to have a, you know, uh, like guidance of this is what we need to do when I'm in the hospital. Cause most of the time, like if something goes wrong, they're going to check it out the door anyways. Uh, I've kind of heard somebody describe labor as nature's way of saying, fuck your birth plan. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but it, it'll help you to prepare yourself mentally for all of the possible situations that can happen. And when you are tired and potentially drugged up and, you know, in a lot of pain, you're probably not thinking super rationally. And maybe your partner and you have not talked about it very much. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, then like having this sort of outline in place in the, in the first place will help to just like guide your decisions. Yeah. Like, so you could think through it a little bit more. So do you want to talk about maybe a couple things that you put on the birth plan? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> my doula actually recommended that it, it was one page, like just one page. Yeah, on Cause one I side. think they want to just like hang it up in the room. Exactly. They want to be able to like look at bullet points, like know immediately what you're looking to do. And most, and some hospitals are more, um, um, amenable to having the birth plan and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so the things that I include in my birth plan, my hospital is actually a little bit more on the progressive side of things. So they kind of like let you choose a lot more, um, from other hospitals from what I've heard. But like one of the things, <clears throat> one of the things, um, that I was trying to think through was like, how do I keep my shit together? Like when I'm going through pain, like, what do I want? 
you as my partner and my doula and, you know, anyone else to help me out with like just dealing with the pain <laughs> and kind of working <laughs> through it. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to be bedridden. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to just like hang out on my back for 24 hours or however long the labor is going to take. Um, but I, I like pacing around and I like moving and, and I want to do yoga and I want to do breathing exercises and I want to have like massages and stuff. So I, I kind of like was thinking through that and like all of the, the natural ways to, to sort of keep it, keep it together, you know? <laughs> You've already given more than a one page description of like one line on your birth plan. Well, just describing I it. I know that was just the, I know, I know this is what I've been thinking a lot about lately, but when it actually comes to like the, the real painful, like contractions part of it, um, when I'm later on, um, in labor, um, what kind of painkiller options yeah. are there? And this is this is obviously a, a huge one for a lot of people, mm-hmm. like whether to go with any sort of painkiller, like med- medically induced painkiller, or to just, you know, do it all natural. Uh-huh. And so <clears throat> um, I, I kind of figured, you know, with modern medicine, like why not take advantage of that? So I um, want to get an epidural. And we've kind of talked about, like, how that would happen and how to go about doing that. Um, Other options are analgesics, which are pretty much like narcotics to kind of dull the pain. Those actually go in your mouth, contrary to, like, popular (laughs) belief? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Exactly. And that you don't actually want to take, like, while you're you're actually pushing a baby out because it can drug up the baby. Mm -hmm. But prior to, it it can help to just, you know, smooth the edges a little bit. We also, um, I also included stuff about like interventions, like, you know, do I want to induce if I do want to induce, like, like what are the different, um, techniques that we can use Mm -hmm. that I'm comfortable with? Mm -hmm. Um, induction can be pretty invasive. And once like, you know, your water breaks, for instance, you have to go like, like you have to deliver. Yeah. Um, also talking about like episiotomies, which is like kind of cutting, you know, the, the vaginal opening mm-hmm. to, um, give your baby more space, which apparently is not common. Yeah. These days. Apparently that practice has gone away, which sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which there's a lot of evidence that says natural tearing is actually better. Um, and then also like what to do in the case of a C-section if that's necessary. Yeah. Well, and then I think also figuring out, I think you list who you want in the room, uh, and maybe some of the practices you want right after delivery. Like, do you want the kid Mm -hmm. cleaned off first? Do you want him placed right on your chest right away? That sort of thing. Skin to skin contact because that is supposed to be really helpful for regulating the baby's health and well-being. Um, Um, How do you want to do breastfeeding, that type of stuff? And what do you want to do with that placenta? (laughs) Dave thinks that this is a hilarious topic. Yeah, Eileen wants to bring the placenta home, keep it in the fridge for a few months uh, until we forget about it, and then she wants to and plant it. accidentally a... put it into a stew. I know. I'm really worried we're <laughs> accidentally going to eat the placenta. I'd... I'm kind of uncomfortable with the whole situation. Uh, I've been considering putting them into pill form um, to mm. eat later on. I, I think I've decided against that. But for for all you ladies out there who do decide to do that, like more power to you. Um, I want to put my placenta under a tree and then plant it in my yard. <laughs> now who's the hippie witch doctor? 
I know it sounds insane, but we also had a wedding tree too. So I feel like trees have a special place in my heart. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I like the idea of like looking in our backyard and being like, that's the baby tree. It's, it's growing on top of my placenta. Yeah, that's not weird at all. Except that it's a biohazard and the hospital has to like put it in like three layers of plastic for you to like leave the hospital with it. But they can't tell you that you can't take it because it is technically a body part. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to bury one of your organs in the backyard. That's a totally normal that's thing. Totally normal. Very, very Bay Area thing. <laughs> awesome. All right. So I guess we're at the part of the episode where I eat something. So like we said, we're at about 39 weeks. Yay, our favorite part. Yeah. And because today is uh, Mardi Gras, and at this point in the pregnancy, the baby baby is about the size of a baby. So what I'm going to do is eat some king cake with a baby in it. Yep, yep. We, we also ran out of, like, fruits and things that were large enough. Yeah, that was a little bit of a problem. <laughs> so while I'm eating this cake, uh, do you want to talk about your pick? I can do that. Just, you know, don't choke on the baby because it is plastic and not edible. Um, yeah, so my pick, um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Ali Wong's Baby Cobra special on Netflix. Um, it is hilarious. Oh, you... the baby. <laughs> don't eat the baby. <laughs> It's a choking hazard. They now put the baby on the outside so that people know um, that there's a baby because there were a lot of people who were accidentally like hurting themselves. Um, Yeah, so I would check out that that show. It's hilarious and it's awesome. All right, and so my pick is the uh, Nest Cam. It's a you know webcam that we got to set up and watch the baby. Uh, We haven't actually used it to look at anything but it seems pretty cool i can like talk into it and um it's got like motion detection so i can actually see if there's activity in the room so i think that'll be really fun to play around with so i think that actually brings us to the end of our episode uh make sure to check out our website don't screw it up podcast.com itunes or stitcher radio yep and find our facebook page and like us we're very likable Thanks. All right, see you next time. Bye. Bye.